This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All those games. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. <clears throat> Got a little something in my throat there. But this is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. A very big show in store for you tonight. I'm going to give you three reasons, three easy, simple reasons why I think, and I think I've almost kind of convinced myself that LSU might be in prime time, ready to go, getting into the playoffs at the end of the season. I'm going to give you three reasons on why I believe it's going to happen. Gator Dave from Gators Breakdown is going to be joining us as well around 720. Really interested as we continue to tour around the SEC. Guys, we've been at Auburn with J-Boy. We've been to Alabama with uh, uh, Kevin Hagan. We've gone to Arkansas, and now we're going to go to Florida as we continue to tour the SEC. But before we get to that, as I just mentioned, if you're just joining us, we will talk about why LSU might be in my opinion, might be seeing the playoffs. Also, the NFL schedule football release is kind of all leaked out, so you somewhat already know. I don't know how much we will get into that tonight, but we might. And also, Teddy Two Gloves calling out Joe Brady. If you if you joined us in the very beginning, we played a small little clip when LSU scored a touchdown at half in 2019 against the University of Alabama, and they went up by 20. Um, Joe Brady, we'll get into that because I don't know if I completely believe Teddy Two Gloves and what on the trash he's talking about, uh, with Joe Brady. So a lot to get into tonight. Ryan Gidry on Facebook Live says, let's go. Blake is in the house. I appreciate that. Danny says, let's go, Blake. We are live. That we are. Adam Contreras is in the house. Let's go. Blake Schilling says, let's freaking go, E-A-U-X. Intro has me amped. Guys, I tell you this every time someone brings up the intro. Um, You know, for me, as the host of this show, it gives me goosebumps every time that music pops. Boom, 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 boom. Dude, I get get chill bumps, man. I believe it's the best intro in podcast history. I'm biased as hell. I'm biased as hell. Uh, Before we get started, before we pay some bills around this thing, I do got to give out... A, a special – he didn't want me to really give his last name or his info, uh, but I want to give out a, a special shout-out to our good friend Billy who watches the show. Uh, late, late last night, he sent us stars via Facebook. 
Um, and he was very generous. He said that he never really comments, uh, but he watches the show. He sent us some stars on Facebook. Guys, again, I greatly appreciate every time you hit that star button, send us money. It helps us go to the podcast. It helps us pay for stuff. Uh, as you see the new headset and things like that. Um, and look, it's very generous of you guys to do that. So if you if you want to be generous, you can't always hit the stars. But Billy, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you for sending those those stars. But before we get to everything, we got to thank our good partners over at Believe Podcast, everything that they do for us, and uh, Bet Online, as we will be introducing them, as we have been the last couple of days. The betting online service in the state of Louisiana is right around the forefront. So get in tune for that now and get ready and signed up. And long did the bet online. But for right now, we got to pay some bills. None better than our good friends over at GM Varno and Sons. GM Varno and Sons has faithfully been serving your Denim Springs and Baton Rouge here for over 62 years. With their highly trained technicians, there's absolutely nothing that they can't do. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motorhome chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job, too big or too small for our good friends over at GM. Go see them today at 2500 Florida Boulevard, Denham Springs, Louisiana, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. They are closed on Saturdays and Sundays, but they will get your service in today. We had someone tell us uh, just a couple days ago about them going over to GM. They got a couple tires replaced and an oil change. They were in and out within 45 minutes, and they were able to get back to work. Go see them today. Again, 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. Tell me, good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by, and our good friends over at at Bet Online, guys, as we've continued to mention the new betting services and this being a service that we will be able to get in Louisiana hopefully very soon as we have passed this law. Go over to betonline.ag. Use your mobile device. You can sign in. Sports gambling and sports betting is going to be big in the state of Louisiana as soon as that bill gets passed. Bet Online has you covered for all news, scores, odds, and updates. It's the best way to get your bets, and it's free to sign up. That's betonline.ag. Bet Online. AG. All right, guys, let's get into it. Um, let's see. I'm just going to pop this question up. J- Jason Wilson says, hashtag ask Blake, what do you think about Pitts, man's, uh, men's basketball coach saying Will Wade paid the commit? Um, I-, I-, I saw this comment, so I wanted to bring it up very quickly. I- of course they're going to continue to say in trash Will Wade. You know, Dick Vitale's old, wrinkly, saggy self is going to continue to trash LSU. It, it is a damn shame – like a literal damn shame that ESPN is allowing Dick Vitale to continue to do this when nothing has come from it. He said multiple things over, 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 over again. Nothing's transpired. Nothing's transpired. And it's funny that you're going to be a baby bag B.I. and say, well, the real way you pay the recruit. You paid him too. If you want to know the truth, you paid him too. So stop talking that Rudy Pooness. That, that kind of stuff, you know, don't be – you know, what, what's the old saying? Stitches, uh, snitches get stitches? Isn't that the old saying? Snitches get stitches. That's all, that's all I'm going to say with that. All right, let's, let's do this. Something I want to break down, and I've kind of almost convinced myself over the last week, and as I told you, if you listened to us Monday and last night, I've continued to watch this film from just last season on LSU and everything that they have returning. Number one, and and something that I've continued to monitor while watching this, and I've watched these games just to watch what these guys are doing up front. And yes, I do want to be cautious on me saying LSU is going to the playoff because it's very difficult to get to the playoff. You're in the toughest, not even the toughest conference, you're in the, the toughest division of the toughest conference. Look, guys, we can trash Auburn, we can trash Alabama, we can trash Texas A&M all we want, but these teams are really tough to play. you got to play Florida again every single year over and over again. It's Gator Dave's going to be joining us in about, uh, let's say, 11 minutes. So I want to be careful on how I say it, but the first thing that I continue to see is the both lines of scrimmage, offense and defensive line, I think is going to be extremely talented and where LSU is going to put a lot of their focus and how they dominate football games. I mentioned Monday how I love the offensive line and how they've progressed. I like the defense and the depth on the defensive line. You win games up front. You win games in the trenches. LSU has five guys returning. The last time that you had four guys returning was in 2019. That that, that was pretty good. 
that actually worked for you. And you could technically say five with Adrian McGee, who had starts, who returned and started at left guard. Every defensive lineman come, coming back, and you're in the three deep. Guys, Jaqueline Roy, uh, Glenn Logan, Neil Farrell, Mason Smith, Tank Guillory, not all those guys are going to play. So somebody's going to be on the sidelines. It's not going to be Jaqueline Roy to start off. I'm going to tell you that right now. So you have a guy like a Neil Farrell or a, a Glenn Logan who's going to be rotating in and out. Also, you have Joseph Evans who's made a big leap uh, from, from just last season. So you have a lot of depth in the interior, and we all know about the defensive ends. I think Ali Gay is going to have a breakout season. He started off hot, kind of got a little cold in the middle of the season and turned it on again later in the season. So both lines of scrimmage, I feel, give me a lot of confidence going into the season that I think LSU can dominate. And, and I, know, I don't want to continue to harp on this Florida game, but if I go back, again, if I go back to Alabama, if I go back to Arkansas, there were times there were flashes were shown of complete dominance that give me a lot of confidence with these guys returning and, and seeing what they can do. Now, a lot of people have said they got to get trimmer, like they got to lose weight. Well, tell that to both offensive guards from the University of Alabama last year. I mean, they pushed individuals all up and down the field. I think that these guys are ready to go, and they will be ready to go starting in August, September. N- number two, and, and I don't know how you can put this other than that the game is going to revolve around a quarterback. And I don't know, and a lot of people say, well, Blake, you haven't seen a lot from Max Johnson, and that's true. And I'm trying to keep my words simple but and concise so I'm not just all over the place when I say Max Johnson's going to lead us to a playoff because he still has some things to prove, right? Like, he still got to go to Alabama on the road. He went to Florida on the road, beat the SEC East champ. But, guys, what did Max Johnson do? Or let's just ask it a better way. What did he not do to give you confidence or not to give you confidence that he could lead you there? Now that you have Jake Peach, DJ Mangus, his RPO game, and a guy that is mobile and can run, this feels a lot like a 2019 season. I don't want to bite off more than I could chew. I'm not saying Max Johnson is Joe Burrow. I'm not saying any human being on the face of the planet is Joe Burrow because they're not. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. They're not. But I think that Max Johnson and the things that I continue to see are salt from him. You know, I'm just sitting here the other night. And I watched the clips. I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched the clips from the Ole Miss game. And I'm like, yeah, he's he's continuously throwing it at Kayshawn Bouti, but the kid's buying time. He's using his legs. I think he had 18 rushes for like 57, 58 yards, and the Florida game used his legs again. Guys, it's only going to get better with those two guys. It's only going to get better. So that's an interesting concept. Uh, that I will continue to monitor. Does Max Johnson and Kayshawn Bouti have a Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson type of connection, the one-two connection? There are some things to worry about in, in a connection standpoint. I know that running back is a big concern. I know that tight end's a big concern. I'm going to tell you, don't let it be a big concern for tight end right now. I, I, I feel good on that one. I feel good on that one. Um I think that Kayshawn Bouti and Max Johnson showed last season that, and even in a spring game, that they have that one-two connection, and it's going to be deadly. He's got his number one wide receiver. Can he go to other receivers? You know, we saw Jare Jenkins in that Florida game have a touchdown reception. I think he's your number two at this exact moment. And what can Coy Moore and Trey Palmer do? I'm not worried about the skill positions at all. I'm worried, can Max Johnson in prime time for an entire season outside of two games lead you to a playoff? Look, if we go to Alabama, I have full confidence in what I've seen in Max Johnson so far that he can lead you to a victory. He beat the SEC East champs. Alabama, although they reload instead of rebuild, I don't know if that team's that team's not going to be any better than they were last year. They're not actually they're not going to be better than they were last year. It's like you're in Rocky Four when the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa hits him with the old boy with the uppercut. He hits uh, Drago with the uppercut, and then he goes to his corner, and uh, uh, I forget Apollo Creed's old trainer. He goes, see, he's just a man. He can bleed. I, 
I got something in my gut telling me that this might be an electric season. Something that this might be an electric season. Number three, this is by far to me the 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 as I continue to study this defensive back room, <laughs> man. I'm not going to say it's going to be a no-fly zone because in today's game, you can complete passes. I don't think – you know, the triple D for AYS is dominating defenses are dead. I'm not saying they're going to be completely locked down, but damn. Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley, uh, Dwight McGlothern, Jay Ward, who's going to take that other safety spot? That's going to be a, a, another topic for maybe a day that we would have to sit here and see how this camp plays out. But you have four guys – that literally are have shown you that they're turnover machines. One thing about the 2019 uh, uh, defense, and really even the 20 defense, that I think goes a lot unnoticed at times, is the, the fact of how many turnovers they got in critical situations. We just talked about Alabama. You can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about the two attack of Iowa uh, a fumble in the first drive for Alabama. Regardless, it was a fumble. The interception he threw to Patrick Queen – these team, these guys have been really good at, at generating turnovers. The last game that we saw of LSU, they generated five turnovers, guys, and almost generated six with a number, another fumble. Turnovers flip field position. Turnovers, especially if you can score touchdowns, and if LSU was able to score touchdowns on some of those turnovers, they that would have been even a worse blowout or a bigger blowout against Ole Miss. So, I think your back five, maybe your back six. I want. I don't want to, because I want to be careful. I do. I do like saying the statement that I think that they are the best in the SEC. I don't know if I want to go nationally again, but give me a better combo than Elias Ricks, uh, Derek Stingley Jr., who is now number seven, Dwight McGlothern from what we've seen from him, and Jay Ward. I will wait. Name me another. So we'll go from there. All right, let's get to a couple of your comments before we get to. Uh, Gator Dave. Jared says, agreed. Dude is going to be good. Booty and Kirkland are going to be phenomenal. Um, I agree with Booty. I want to be careful with Jontre Kirkland. I know that he had a huge spring game, like a huge. 2019, uh, we <laughs> the last spring game that we saw, the leading receivers for that game was D. Anderson and Stephon Sullivan, and we were all panicking. You like, do you not remember the 2019 offseason? Like, we were panicking. We know Justin Jefferson's going to be the guy, but we can't rely on D. Anderson and Stephon Sullivan. We don't have a number two. Jamar Chase drops too many balls. What are we going to do? And then the first game we just saw Georgia Southern, we just saw that that's not even a problem. I, I, I kind of feel, and I'm not saying John J. Kirkland won't be your number two. What I am saying is, is I'm not buying completely what I'm seeing from a spring game. Guys, he played both sides of the ball uh, both uh, for both offenses, I should say for the first team and second team. Yeah, he had 16 catches, but he literally played 60 minutes. The kid played 60 minutes. Uh, but I agree with you uh, on that. Um, Jamar Jackson says, Hashtag ask Blake, what do you think about Landon Jackson's 6'6 pass rusher? Big long, big and long, he's got to stay healthy now. He's got to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, then we have something to work with here. I don't know how much of a, a, a rot- he's going to see in the rotation uh, as a freshman, but it's something that we can definitely monitor. All right, two more, and then we're going to get to our good friend Gator Dave from Gator's Breakdown. Uh, Blake Doucette says, hashtag ask Blake, how about Paul making changes to the lineup last night quickly c- turn the game around? You know, one thing I'm going to ask Gator Dave, uh, and I know that me and him have discussed it off air, is there any um, talk about Kevin O'Sullivan? You know, a lot of people at LSU are talking about Kevin O'Sullivan possibly being a target for LSU. I like what Paul Maneri did did do last night um, and pulling some guys who didn't give effort. All right, last one. Um, let's see. Uh, John says, Blake, I think you are right about this team. It's in 2022. No, I think we're right now. I think we're right now. All right, let's do this. Let's get to a quick break, and then we're going to bring Gator Dave as we continue this tour around the SEC. Our good friend Gator Dave joins us. Uh, So stay tuned. We're going to talk about some Florida. Uh, How do they match up? How is their spring with Gator Dave next? Guys, I'm really excited to tell you about our good friend, Mr. John Patton. He used to be at Area Home Lending, but now is with GMFS Mortgage. Changing lives. 225-614-1234, 225-614-1234, 225-614-1234, 225-614-1234. If you're buying a new home, saving money on the mortgage that you have now, or even doing a cash-out refi, 
The timing has never been better. Now that John's over at GMFS, he's changing the game when it comes to refinancing your home. Again, give him a call today at 225-614-1234 and tell him your good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino at AYS, sent you on by. All right, our good friend Gator Dave joins us. Dave, what's happening tonight, my friend? How you doing? How you doing, Blake? Uh, we're doing good. Look, I got to ask you very quickly. I know that we've talked about this off air. Um, from an LSU perspective, and it, we just had a comment on it, um, Kevin O'Sullivan, the head coach at Florida, his name has come up a multitude of times in, in reference to the new head coach at LSU. Well, he's at Florida. He's got a top 10 team. Tell the fans, is there really any talk around Florida about Kevin O'Sullivan possibly making a leap if Paul Maneri retires uh, from LSU? I don't think there's much of a worry, Blake, only because two reasons. Big powerhouse Texas has come after him uh, and didn't pull him away from Gainesville, South Carolina a few years ago as well. We know the run that they were on uh, not so long ago in, in the world of baseball as well. Don't get me wrong, LSU is a different monster than historically than, than South Carolina, probably right up there with Texas. Uh, if you want to go kind of recent history for, for college baseball as well. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's much of a worry, only because of turning down those two jobs. Um, that, <laughs> right. That, that was big in its own right. And it's just got it so easy at Florida right now <laughs> as, far as, as far as recruiting goes. I mean, it's just – Pitcher, pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, you got uh, – yeah, yeah, he's that's what he's been known for more mm-hmm. so is, is that rotation probably hasn't lived up to the reputation that we thought this year. But historically and going into this year, those guys are still going to be drafted really high as well. Uh, you know, the, just the way the, the recruiting machines work in there at Florida, he'd be throwing a lot away. Uh, but if you're gonna throw a lot away, you're gonna do, you're gonna throw a lot away for a program like LSU, where you can go and do those same things. So um, I I don't think it's orange and blue glasses looking at it, Blake. I don't think he'd leave. Would I be surprised? I probably wouldn't be shocked, just because it is LSU, LSU baseball. But I, I think he'd be throwing a lot away at leaving Florida when he's already turned down some other big time jobs as well. Yeah, and, and and Dave, I know that they're, I, I know that LSU is looking around. I know the 2017 uh, national championship win for him is big. That would put a lot of heat on Paul Maneri. And and look, the last time LSU's played Florida, it's not going in LSU's favor. So that might be a reason why his name continues to come up. Uh, but I just had to give you that question out of the gate because, it, look, Dave, they've been on my ass about it for three weeks. And I'm like, look, we hear it, but, you know, let's get Gator Dave in here and to talk about it. But this well, is a like, – fo- go ahead. Going from that side, you have to call, you have to ask. I mean, right, and he has right. to be the number one guy. I mean, you you have to check the interest and see and see what's there. So, yeah, I think from the LSU side, it's, hey, let's see if he's interested. And we probably have to wait a little while to hear from the Florida side. I think right now we can say, all right, he's turned down two big jobs. More than likely he turned down the LSU too. But he's probably going to be the top target. I think he might be, Dave. <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll wait and see. Uh, let's get to some football talk. Is is we're touring the SEC and now we're we've made our way to Gainesville. One thing that's interesting that and, and as we covered LSU last season and they lost a lot of guys in the draft. Florida lost a lot of guys: Kyle Trask, Kendari Tony, the multitudes of guys, really talented guys. Are you worried at all? Like I was a little uh, of these guys leaving, and really, how was the spring with these new faces coming in for Florida? I think you have to be worried because, as you said, you lose your you lose your pass catchers uh, a bit. And Kadarius Tony seven seventy receptions, never saw that coming. Kyle Pitts, I think we had an inkling that he uh, that we was that he was going to do what he did uh, last year. He was still more dominant than I've ever seen. Any you know, just at that tight end position, that mold of a player still dominant than at a level that I didn't even see uh, coming, even though I thought he'd be really good. I didn't think he'd be that good. Um, and then you lose the quarterback at the same time, Kyle Trask. So um, I think there has to be worry. It's hard to replicate that in back-to-back years. Um, I think one glimmer of hope, I think you could say uh, for, for, for Florida, you, the question going into last year was how are you going to replace Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Van right. Jefferson, and because of your quarterback, 
it made it easier to go to a Kyle Pitts and a Kyle Trask, um, uh, Trevon Grimes on, on a lower scale. You know, the, the, the receiver core was basically carried by Pitts and Tony. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, Pitts didn't play in the LSU game, and Tony <laughs> yeah. went nuts, had, a, had, had enough numbers to almost pull it out himself uh, there with, 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 with what Florida was able to come back and do that night. But, yeah, Blake, I think it's asking a lot. But the offense was going to shift in philosophy anyway. You mm-hmm. know, this is not trying to replicate. You know, I think LSU maybe in some kind of ways were trying to replicate what they were doing the year before. Florida's not going to. Florida's going to have a completely different offense because of a quarterback that's going to be Emory Jones who can use his legs as a threat and a stable of running backs that go four or five deep with DeMarcus Bowman now transferring in from Clemson. So, it's going to be a change in philosophy at the same time. So you're not asking to Emory Jones, Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter to replicate and do the same thing as Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and Kadarius Tony did. Dave, I, I don't know how to really ask this because I know it's going to sound probably a little stupid, but do you feel that Dan Mullen shifted his offense to fit Kyle Pitts? Because, look, at Mississippi State, even at Florida, he was really run-heavy, zone option, motions. And then last season, they they were reminded me a lot of LSU in 2019. They threw a ball all, all over the middle of the field. They were lighting it up outside the hashes, outside the numbers. Um, you mentioned going back into a change of philosophy. Do you think that last year's success for Dan Mullen offensively will make him kind of rethink maybe, hey, maybe we do need to force the ball down the field? With that being said, is Emory Jones, does he have any heat or competition behind him that might push him and maybe could he be in a little bit of trouble because of the success that Florida had last year? Uh, I'm going to sign off and link to last night's Gators Breakdown episode. Got to tell you everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, look, well, look. Let's do this, Dave. Then, if you if it's on there, let's do that. Okay. For real, I think we could. Uh, uh, that was a good little joke there. We, we talked a good <laughs> bit uh, about that last night because uh, I did a YouTube Q and A, and that was one of the que- pretty much the exact same question with the success Dan Mullen had in 2020 mm-hmm. with that style of offense. What's going to bleed over into 2021 with Emory Jones? And that and Blake, I, I go back to the floor for this offense is going to be a Nick Fitzgerald, Dan Mullen, Mississippi State offense. That's the floor. Mm-hmm. He's going to be as good as runner as that. He's supposed to be a better passer than that. At, at a high school, Nick Fitzgerald played in a triple option, right? Uh, uh, uh high uh, playbook in, in high school uh, here in Georgia, not far from where I grew up in Georgia. And he wasn't asked to throw the ball a lot. Dan Mullen let him become a passer at Mississippi State when he wasn't that way uh, at coming com- coming out of high school. So um, that's the floor. That, that I think that's the absolute floor. I think what you're going to get, you're going to get some hybrid of a 2018 Felipe Franks, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State offense. That's what you get. Gator fans hope he's he's Dak Prescott. <laughs> that's, that's what you're hoping Emory Jones can be. Right. Asking a lot, but I do think you could say, all right, we need a better version of what we saw Felipe Franks in 2018. Uh, much better runner than than, than Felipe Franks. Um, arm, and we'll, we'll find out. And I think um, we didn't get a whole lot of spring. You guys saw your team in spring. You had a spring game. We had to go by word of mouth. Florida didn't have a spring game. Florida and mm-hmm. Kentucky were the only two schools in the SEC not to hold a spring game. Every practice was closed. There was no media allowed at practice. All we got was some short Instagram live videos for like first 20 minutes of practice. We didn't get anything. All we got was word of mouth. So like I I have a hard time believing sometimes what come out of there because when it's completely shut down like that, I I have a tendency to believe what got out was what the staff wanted to get out. Right. Dave, it's what we heard. And what we heard was Jones struggled with some timing. He struggled with Mm -hmm. some accuracy, but I know, and Blake, you probably know, what good would it do the Florida offense to work on the quarterback run game in spring practice? None. None. It does absolutely nothing for Emory Jones. It does nothing for the offensive line. It does nothing for the wide receivers. So, of course, they're going to go out there and, and concentrate on passing the ball. Well, the opposing defense is going to know that, so that's going to make it easier for them. So, I do think there, there's going to be some growing pains. Anybody expecting – Emory Jones to go out there and light it up 40, 45 times a game like we saw Kyle Trask do last year. No, that's not. It's going to be a different offense. you got to get this offensive line figured out still. But you're going to rely on a deep, deep stable of running backs uh, to lead the way. And, Blake, uh, going to to your point, too, 
Um, maybe some, maybe some, maybe some competition. Uh, I don't think it starts out that way. I think it's Emory's job to lose, but Anthony Richardson, uh, probably at some points in the spring was neck and neck with Emory Jones. Um, but I think experience is probably going to win out. And as I said, I think they were tinkering, working on a whole lot of things, uh, in, in spring to help Emory Jones, but help all the quarterbacks, but help Emory Jones get more comfortable as a passer as well. It's interesting, Dave. You know, we don't see guys. And one thing I'm going to give Emory Jones and, and guys like Miles Brennan is guy, in today's society, you would have thought Emory Jones would have transferred somewhere, right? I mean, it just happens like that. I mean, he bought his time. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch. What I'm going, to, I'm going to table a conversation. I'm going to say is the SEC going to get back to more run-focused uh, uh, style attack. Uh, I'm going to table that right now, Dave, because I want to get to the defense. We talked all season with the Gators twice. We had you on twice, once for the reschedule and once for the actual week that the game was played. Um, this defense struggled. A lot like LSU, this defense struggled. Look, I still believe in Ty Grantham from the outside looking in. I saw what he did at Mississippi State and what he's done at Florida at times. Um, but he took a lot of heat. How is this defense looking? How do you think that they will prevail, or how are they looking in spring from what they're telling us or telling you guys? Uh, what do you? What confidence or what worries do you have from this defense coming forward? Uh, confidence is one of the big words. Uh, they got to get their confidence back, and I think they lost it very early last year and never got it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and aggressiveness. Uh, you, you you play defensive back at Florida. You play defensive back at LSU. You're expecting, you know, tight man-man coverage. Getting, I mean, look, you you play you play man-man zone. You you mix it up a bit. But when you look at Florida, when you look at LSU, you look at those two defenses. You expect man coverage. You expect physical, um, aggressive, you know, bump and run, up in your face, trash talking, all that. You expect that type of defense at both of these schools. And Florida missed that uh, a whole lot last year. I think I had a lot to do with confidence. I think there was some miscommunication between Todd Grantham and Torian Gray. Uh, the defensive back or the cornerback coach of Florida, who's Torian Grace, now at South Carolina. And Florida replaced both of their secondary coaches uh, <laughs> from a year ago. Uh, Speaking of, uh, of changes here, a lot of people wanted Todd Grantham going. They wanted the LSU route of, hey, I don't care how buddy-buddy you are. It was so bad in 2020. Bye. Defensive, defensive coordinators got to go. Florida right. didn't get that. LSU got that. Florida didn't get that. Florida did make some changes, though. In comes uh, Wesley McGriff from Auburn. In comes Jewel Montanar from USF. And, you know, I think we did hear a little bit more aggressive, probably working on playing some more man defense uh, there. But I think I just think it's an accountability thing going back to that LSU game. No way, shape or form. If I was the head coach of Florida or defensive coordinator of Florida, Marco Wilson throws the shoe. He's on the sideline. Right. He's on the sideline. Why he's still playing after that, I have no idea. So I think accountability. But I do think we give and. As you said, you you go through this staff from their Mississippi State days. You go through their this staff at their Florida day. This staff is really known for their development and how they develop players. They don't recruit as well as Alabama. They don't recruit as well as Georgia. But the development that Dan Mullen has brought to Mississippi State, brought to Florida, speaks for itself. They didn't get that last year. And mm-hmm. I, I, I say the word accountability. I think they missed that in the spring a little bit because they relied on so many veteran players. They did not – have the trust to go to younger players. And I think that was the biggest mistake. They never turned the corner. They never turned the page to younger players because I I don't think they they didn't trust those players because they missed that spring. They didn't get that time in spring and fall camp to build trust with true freshmen, young redshirt freshmen that didn't get a lot of playing time the year before that. So I think Florida was just stuck in a rut uh, there. There had to be a heart-to-heart with as ugly as it was. It's on players and it's on coaches. But, uh, you know, ultimately it falls on coaches. Todd Grantham stays another year. There had to be a heart-to-heart. It can't be as bad as it was last year. Uh, but uh, a, a marked improvement has to be there. You bring up a very interesting point there on multitudes of things. I'm just going to use the LSU-Florida game. I don't mean this in any kind of way. You know I don't. LSU did turn that page that you're talking about with Florida in reference to the back five, right? Jay Ward had the interception when Dwight McLaughlin, two freshmen, one tipped it back in the in the air, and then Jay Ward had the interception. The Elias Ricks pick six. I felt like Dave. That's when the LSU defense, even though they got torched by Old Miss, but they still had five interceptions. That's when they turned the page. Do you think now with Wesley McGriff and some of these new staff members, will they be quicker 
to to rotate guys in and out. I know that Ty Grantham at times has struggled with doing that. Do you think that that has been a big focus this offseason, getting more guys ready to play and having depth at all three position levels? Yeah, I think we'll see it pretty early, too, at the other cornerback spot opposite Kyer Elam, who's probably going to be all SEC second team corner probably uh, when the season rolls around. You may have a true freshman starting the other side of him, a five-star uh, Jason Marshall uh, there. Uh, he went through spring. He was early enrollee, went through spring and really made his mark. I think you look for Jadon Hill, another young guy as well, who did play a bit last year. Uh, but as I said, I think you just needed that experience uh, there. So I, I think um, they're probably going to have much of a choice because I think a change has to be made to get some improvement there. But also at, at safety, uh, you know, um, Brad Stewart is gone. Sean Davis is gone. Florida doesn't have much of a choice there at safety but to play younger guys. We saw we saw Rashad Torrance get some playing time last year. I think he's going to be a big part. Trey Dean, who has played everywhere in the secondary in his career at Florida, <laughs> found a home at safety last year, got better as the year went on, was battling some injuries at the same time. They're going to look for him. He's going back to safety. Um, so his freshman year, he got thrown in at cornerback. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, when when Marco Wilson went down, they had to throw him in as a true freshman to go play cornerback. The next year, they threw him in at star. When Marco Wilson came back, he really, really struggled. It was not a good fit for him in that star nickel uh, position. So they gave him back his original high school position at, at safety last year. And you could tell it was probably more of a natural fit for trading. Now he's going to get that spring to go back and prepare as a safety, which I think is going to be big for him uh, to get that there. So I, I, I I like the pieces there in that secondary, but so they have a lot to fix. The coaching changes coming in, uh, a, a lot of community. But the biggest thing going back to last year, how are you so experienced, but they look lost so many times? The communication, the ball snapped, and they're still talking, still trying to figure out what to do. Marco Wilson, Kyrie Elam, Sean Davis, Brad Stewart, all those guys, plenty of experience in this defense. I know you can't tell me going missing a spring from a defense you played in for two or three years made that big of a difference. So I don't know where the communication issues come from. That's a coaching sideline issue as well. Uh, but that, that, that to me, this past spring had to be number one, at least get lined up. If it, That's half the battle. <laughs> well, and, and Dave, in man-to-man coverage, right? I mean, yeah. like, how can you get – and this, is, this was an LSU problem just as much as it was really a lot of places – <laughs> you getting confused in man-to-man coverage. I get Sarkeesian and those guys. They they do you a lot of motions, and it can get confusing at times. But good, good God, LSU didn't. You know, like I mean, I, I don't know. LSU is a perfect example. Florida had two outside cornerbacks blitzing on the same play. That's, <laughs> you know, that's not supposed to happen. I mean, there's one at the top of the screen, there's one at the bottom of the screen, and they're both blitzing from forty yards away. It seems like. Oh man, I. How? Hell, there's plenty of experience in this defense. Where's the miscommunication? So that I hate to pick on them. That's just what it is. But you know, you, you got to start somewhere. And you're like, I mean, look, the the, the, Florida, the LSU game was like the perfect microcosm of the of the, of the Florida defense. Mm-hmm. It's just every issue that we saw all throughout the season was spotlighted in that game. Well, even Dave too. I mean, they. I think consistency was another thing. I mean. Damn, I thought that Florida, you could make the argument, gave them the best game that uh, Alabama had last season. Yeah. I mean, they were neck and neck right there with – and I remember you calling it like, hey, don't, I know they lost to LSU last week, but watch them go in here and play again. It's going to be interesting. Dave, two more questions and we'll get you out of here. We'll tell, let you tell everybody where they can catch all your great stuff in your shows. Um, one, what's the biggest strength for Florida going into this season? Uh, where do you see the biggest strength is? And let's just call it, let's just merge these two together. What is the, their biggest weakness? I know we've talked about communication, but from a position uh, position group uh, standpoint, what's the biggest strength and weakness? Biggest strength, I mean, that's 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 a conundrum for Florida. Um, you could probably say receiver a bit, but I still think you're you're still kind of reaching there from what we went back to what we started this with. You lose Kyle Pitts, you lose Kadarius Tony, but you have Jacob Copeland coming back, Jacob Shorter uh, coming back. You have Tripp Whittemore who showed flashes uh, at the beginning of the year before he was injured uh, last year. And then some tight ends, Kamori Gamble, um, 
uh, Keon Zipperer, who showed up at times last year when Kyle Pitts didn't get to play after that Georgia game uh, when he got hit over the middle and, and had to miss some games after that. Um, I probably would still lean there just because of the pedigree that we've also seen the last couple of years. Hey, there right. were so many questions last year, but they continued to pass the ball well. So even though I think there's a philosophical shift in the offense, I still think I, as a position group, I'd probably still look there. That, that's that's the thing. I mean, look, I just saw 24-7 put out their top 10 ACC players list. I wasn't a single Florida player on it, and I, I expected that. I mean, it is just – it is what it is right now. With what you lost last year, it doesn't mean there won't be one at the end of the year, but I wouldn't put any Florida player in the top 10 going into this coming up season because uh, I, I honestly wouldn't know where I would even start there. Kyrie Elam is probably the best player on the team. I don't think he's a top 10 SEC player. Uh, right, right now so uh, i probably say that was wide receiver tight end group biggest weakness um even though overall the defense was much worse than the offense last year i still say the biggest position group that needs the most help is the offensive line uh, mm-hmm. it was it was two years in a row now where florida just cannot bust a grape uh <laughs> our bill king's favorite uh, line there can't bust a grape on the offensive line and Still, the offense had some success, but you know there's a philosophical shift coming this year, and the offensive line has to be better. I do think these running backs can help them out a little bit more when you got the home run threat of Demarcus Bum and Lorenzo Lingard. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough, wasn't enough home run threat with Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright. I think those guys do some good things. You saw that in the Georgia game last year. Those right. guys can play, can mm-hmm. make some plays, but uh, – I still think Florida overall misses that big home run threat at running back, and I think that can help the offensive line. But they lose Stone Forsyth, they lose Brett Heggie on that left side of the offensive line. They got to get that figured out. They got to create some depth. There's no young guys who have stepped up on the offensive line. They've had to rely so much on older players who really aren't getting it done. And I know a lot of Gator fans are frustrated with Gene DeLance at right tackle. Somebody else got to step up and take the job from him. I mean, if, he, mm-hmm. if he's he's if he's the one trotting back out there, it's not his fault. Coach, mm-hmm. coach staff putting him back out there. Somebody's got to go beat him. Uh, so uh, offensive line, that they've got to get better in run blocking. I think that's the the biggest the biggest thing this offense needs to fix because of what's coming up in the shift on uh, that that the way of playing on offense next year. He's Gator Dave. Get, very quickly, just as a former offensive lineman, the Lance is a guard. Okay, just throwing that out there. I think you should kick him inside. That's just me. I mean. It, Dave in run and run support, he 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 just does things that I know a guard does. Okay, like yeah. I'm like put him inside guard. Terrible at pass blocking, and and that's why you don't put that guy at tackle. Let him stay close to the line of scrimmage and hit the dog sh- shit out of somebody. Excuse my <laughs> language, but because Dave very quickly when he does, I, look I'm breaking down this LSU film because of Max Johnson and us breaking it down, and I watch him and I watch him in the running game, and I'm like. Shit. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, you can it, point to him like, okay. You know, and so it's really interesting. If they can figure that out in a running game that Dan Mullen wants to get into, I think that could be interesting. I think that that's something to watch out for. Dave, tell all the people where they can find all your shows and all your great stuff. That second question was, by the way, because I went back and watched the show from last night. <laughs> I kind of stole that question. But tell everybody where they can catch all your stuff. Okay, everybody can check it out. Uh, YouTube, uh, Gators Breakdown lives on YouTube as well. And then uh, also every podcast platform uh, out there, you can check it out. You can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Dave, you're always fantastic, man. We thank you. And we'll have, we'll, as, look, we got a long summer. It feels like it's oh, yeah, almost here, but it's a long summer. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. But my friend, as always, thank you and have a good night. Wait, thanks, man. That is Gator Dave from Gators Breakdown. Guys, you got to go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Man, I was listening. I learned more stuff about Florida Gators and, and, and the, what was it, hour, 45 minutes, uh, and the Q&A last night. It, it's just perfect. So go subscribe to Gators Breakdown, Gator Dave, and go subscribe to all everywhere you uh, listen to podcasts. All right, let's do this. Let's get to uh, – let's do a quick break, and then we'll finish out. Teddy Two Gloves making fun of Joe Brady. Rafino's rants around the corner. Well, that one's not playing. I guess we'll do a live read. Guys, get over to your home team, team.kw.com, team.kw.com, the number one real estate firm in the North Shore, team.kw.com. If you're thinking about buying a new home or just looking for that dream home on the North Shore, go to team.kw.com. 
drakewilliams.com and our good friends over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, 985-386-7600. That's 985-386-7600. Or go over to drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Get in a DWI, get a traffic ticket. Uh, these They're just going to help you out. See, when I record these and I don't have the live reads in front of me, it's difficult. But regardless, get over to Drake Williams Law Firm today and tell them your good friend Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by. These things just don't play, man. They don't play. I gotta. I, I do these live reads to give me a little bit of a breather, man. And I don't put these live reads in front of me. All right. Um, Dakota says on YouTube, hashtag Ask Blake, what did Teddy Two Gloves say about Joe Brady? I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but Teddy Bridgewater today, I think it was on a podcast with Patrick Peterson, I forget his co-host, um, that he basically talked about, well, Joe Brady's got to get more experience in running practices. You know, we didn't do two-minute drills and we didn't do red zone. I'm not calling Teddy Bridgewater a liar. I'm not. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay? You mean to tell me that a guy in Joe Burrow, we as I mentioned in the very beginning of the show, we played this small little clip in reference to LSU going up, scoring a touchdown with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, going up by 20, 33-13 against the University of Alabama in and, and 2019. Joe Burrow on Part of My Take podcast said that Joe Brady had them running that exact play 30 times the Thursday before the game was even played. 30 times. So it's interesting to me that he said Joe Brady doesn't run red zone in two-minute drill when the truth of it was in all of 2019, it was basically a two-minute drill for LSU. And the perfection that LSU had in 2019 – in the red zone, and that being Joe Brady's forte, the red zone. I I, I, I kind of take a step back and say, Teddy, are, are, are you just getting a little butt hurt here? And I hate to say it like that because they traded your ass. And by the way, Matt Rule's the head coach, not Joe Brady. Head coaches make practice plans, not Joe Brady. Now, It's it's just very hard. I I, I want to be cautious because I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. I do. I I really really do. Um, <laughs> as Mike Scarborough, who's going to be on after us from TigerBait.com, says, "Great looking headset." Yeah, somebody stole my copied my headset from another show. Those Rudy Pooh asses. Um, anyway, what was see, Mike? You got me all worked up. You said something that you knew was going to spark me. Uh, and Ryan Tibbs says, yeah, and it sounds great too, Mike. Yeah, it does sound good. Uh, and Trent says, it might be Matt Rule. Yeah, I think it's Matt Rule. It, but I also don't believe that that, that that happened. I don't believe Joe Brady did not work on red zone. You know who a great person to ask would be? Jake Peets, DJ Mangus. I, it, it, <laughs> I, I'm not buying this one iota. The man who was a part and, and completely – transcended LSU's offense out of the dark ages. Out of the dark ages, who did third down in red zone. That was his – I mean, we know now that he had a lot more input. But third down in red zone, those two things were his specialty at LSU. LSU was like, what, 98% in touchdowns to field goals. Every time they got in the red zone, they scored, and they didn't work on it. You have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, the quarterback that has the most touchdowns in college football history in one season saying that we worked on red zone and two-minute drills more than anything else. Come on, bro. So you mean to tell me in one year, Joe Brady completely changed his philosophy in the NFL? No, he didn't. Philosophies don't change that drastically like that. They just don't. Not from a coaching perspective. Not from Teddy Bridgewater, with all due respect to him, you're not a good quarterback. He's decent. He can give you a couple starts, but he's he's average at best type of quarterback. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson, which I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to ever play. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's below. He's not Matt Ryan, for crying out loud. He's not Sam Darnold, for crying out loud. So if you want to be bitter, it's okay. We understand, sweetheart. We understand. Anyway. 
Uh, Dakota says, didn't he have the best QBR he has ever had last season? Yeah, he did have the best QBR he ever had in a season with Jake Peets and DJ Mangus and, oh, by the way, Joe Brady. <laughs> we didn't work on red zone in two minutes. Bullshit. Bullshit. And, Teddy, the truth is, how long you been in the league, dog? Eric says, damn, Blake, ease up off the apple juice. I get what you're saying. I'm trying to, I was trying to make a joke. I was trying to make a joke. But come on, bro. Come on. I mean, that man, don't don't be lying on Joe Brady now. Don't be lying. Don't be lying. All right, guys. Tigerbait.com is coming up. Him and Buddy Sanji. Mike Scarborough and Buddy, uh, Buddy Sanji is coming up right after this. Uh, go check him out. But w- we will not see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. It is Ben Rafino's second birthday. Happy birthday, to Benjamin Michael Rafino, you beautiful, beautiful little boy. Um, yeah. Um, Kenny asked a good question. Where's Call the Cat been? I can need a text Call the Cat. I think Call the Cat might be a little mad at me. Oh, he's not mad at me. Uh, Kenny says, what's the biggest difference we'll see in Jake Pete's offense this year? Uh, R- more RPOs. I mean, that's basically what it's going to be. RPO this, RPO that, RPO, you know. They're going to run more RP. They're going to be running more RPOs than Alphabet Soup. If you could put two and two together. All right, guys, we will see y'all Saturday or maybe Friday. Uh, but Ben Rafino's birthday's tomorrow, so we got some stuff to do there. But until then, guys, we'll see you soon. Have a good night. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.